at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. It's Brian Hadley, Mark Sander on ESPN 1000 on a Sunday morning. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you know, uh, I'd rather have my Bulls in first place, but uh, slipped up a little bit. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think the Grizzlies just grabbed another offensive rebound and scored. Helped. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, that was unfortunate to watch. Um, we just don't have enough tools on the floor, and that's what's making it tough to beat those good teams. Meanwhile, Morant. Wow. Wow. He made such a move uh, in the waning seconds of the first half. I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was, well, it was just warming uh, up. It was cool. 20 points in the third quarter. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it, I mean, the Bulls had what, six good minutes, basically, their 14 0 run. But yep. the, the, you got, last time I checked, good teams are in the playoffs, right? And yep. teams with winning records are in the playoffs. And it's great that they're now only one game behind Miami for first place and sets up the, the big tilt tomorrow against the Heat down in Miami. But, you know, this is the the trend's not your friend here when you you just can't beat the best teams in the league. Uh, you're you're feeding off low hanging fruit, and if you're legitimate, uh, and I you know they're fun to watch. It's a great story. I love watching the, their TV ratings are up eighty three percent because they're a fun team and a, a much better team than we've certainly seen in the last few years. But yeah. it's a little concerning that when when a good team uh, is on on the floor with you, you end up on the, in the loss column. Well, it's all about your expectations, right, Brian? And um, it, it, a couple of years ago, we never thought we would be even this close where we are right now. And again, not having Lonzo, uh, not having Caruso, um, uh, Patrick Williams is a big miss. What would this team be like if all hands were on deck? We don't know. But uh, DeRozan still is uh, just performed great. Yeah, that wasn't enough yesterday, especially, you know, with a few seconds left, he had that giveaway. But, you know, it's it's all in the expectations, and I would love to see him in the playoffs. We don't know if this is going to happen. We don't know, um, you know, Ball is further out than uh, Caruso is, and this is this is going to be interesting coming down the line. But you're right. We have to beat the, the good teams, and, and we're not doing that. And that is you're, part you're, of – you're yeah. six. You're in six and fourteen against top six teams yeah. in your conference. Yeah. Right. Okay. So right. you know it, it's great. You're only game back, and you you go through the injuries, and certainly you can excuse. You know they haven't been healthy. They haven't had a full yeah. contingent. I get it. And yeah. where would they be without DeRozan, who you know ten straight well, games with thirty plus ex- points? Exactly right. Um, but that said, you got to be better than that against good teams, and you can't you can't no let. Doubt. John Moran have a career high forty six points. You can't let Stephen Adams take over a quarter. You can't. And look, the, the Grizzlies are a good team, and they lead the the league in offensive rebounds and second chance points. And you knew that coming in, and they showed you why because they did it again yesterday. So twenty second chance points. It, this is the first game, and and maybe the the entire season, where I kind of questioned Billy Donovan's strategy at the end. You got fourteen point nine seconds left. You're down three. And you have DeRozan, you drop a play where you want to get him in the paint, drive into the hoop. Now, he claims he was fouled. He didn't get the foul. He gets upset. He gets tossed. But you're down three. You have a timeout. I get it. So you get the two there. You're still down one. 
now maybe there's 12, 11 seconds left, right? Um, right. It, I guess you're hoping to get the foul, but he didn't, and he didn't no. even get the hoop. Um, so now you're gonna you're gonna steal the ball on in the inbounds, or you're gonna you know you, you, what what good is the timeout when they have the ball, right? Um, you're gonna have to foul. And so you're down three again. I, I don't. I mean, I didn't understand the strategy. I really didn't. Yeah, the the end of the game was very, very confusing. Um, and it, you know, obviously DeRozan was the guy to go to, but it didn't work out this time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is going to be a, a situation if they get a taste of the playoffs and they cannot beat those good teams, they're going to be uh, out pretty quick. And that's if they get a taste of the playoffs. That uh, game against the Heat tomorrow is going to be a real test. Well, especially a taste of the playoffs. Not I mean, I, I get there. You know, there's only five games between uh, number one seed and seven seed, but I mean, it right. would take a major collapse. Well, it would. And, and look, I am. I'm always going to err on the side of caution. Well, I am not going to assume anything. And uh, and I'm so sure you're right. Play, they'll probably will. You don't think they're going to be the playoffs? No, 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 no. I didn't say. I, what I'm saying to you is, I'm just not going to take anything for granted. I'm I'm hoping that there's not a collapse. But, you know, if they don't beat these good teams, they're going to – the taste of the playoffs is going to be very brief. Well, yeah, okay. If they're – you know, you make the argument. They could be an early out if that – but they, mm. as you mentioned, maybe the timeline isn't as optimistic for for Ball, but Caruso should be back here at least doing stuff in a week or so. You only have 21 games left, right? So right. it's not that much time, but you would like to get at least a couple of those guys back and and helping out. The good news is, I mean, I was a little concerned seeing Zach after the All Star break on the game um, Thursday night. You know, kind of feeling his way back into it. But mm -hmm. after the first quarter last night, he started looking like Zach Levine again. So that was encouraging. Because I was a little concerned that maybe the knee was still. And he said it's going to be an issue the rest of the season. But I, right. I was glad to see him start getting in rhythm after the first quarter last night. Well, after three quarters of the season, um, or, or uh, a little more than half of the season gone away, I, somebody's going to be banged up. And we, we just know that Zach is really, really banged up, and it is going to be an issue the rest of the way. It's just how much can we get out of him during this last 21 games, or you said 21, 24, whatever it is, games 21. of the season, 21, okay. And how much are we going to get out of him and how much is that going to make a difference when you don't have a Alonzo Ball? We'll get Caruso back, and hopefully that will make a difference. I mean, most of the year we've been playing without a key piece, it seems. And, you know, again, uh, you know, to some, we're a little ahead of schedule. But we would certainly like to see them have some success in the playoffs. But if they are an early out, that is going to be attributed to, I think, the injuries and them growing as a team. And, and, and hopefully next year they'll get it uh, together because, you know, they've got, they've got a lot of upside, obviously. And if we can get uh, everybody healthy with the team that we have right now, you know, we've seen them have some success without key pieces. Well, you know, it's interesting you said ahead of schedule, and there's certainly that. Um, my buddy Casey Johnson had a really interesting uh, sit-down with Michael Reinsdorf, uh, the, the Bulls boss man, a COO, mm -hmm. and he said going into next season, if they would, he and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf would happily pay the luxury tax if they believe they have a team that's going to contend for a title. And um, you know, so with Zach Levine's contract on the table in the offseason, he's going to get more than $200 million, no matter. And if he makes all NBA, he can get a supermax contract. But um, it's good to hear that ownership believes that 
because of this you know transformational season that the front office put together. We'll, we'll take a listen to some of the uh, Michael Reinstorf answers to Casey's great questions because with the Blackhawks going through rebuilding a front office and hopefully within the week naming a new GM or, or giving Kyle Davidson the, the permanent title and the Bears having just gone through it, there was some really good insight from Michael Reinstorf about how he landed AK and what sold him on that and, and kind of the machinations of ownership when they're looking at candidates and what they expect. And mm-hmm. it sure looks like the Bulls got it right. Um, Hawks fans are hoping the Blackhawks get it right. Although yesterday on the hockey show, Mark, uh, PB and I had a Twitter poll question with the three finalists that they've acknowledged in um, Matthew uh, Darsh from uh, the uh, Tampa front office. Kyle Davidson, and then Jeff Greenberg, the outside-the-box thinking uh, because he's an assistant GM with Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that the fourth choice was uh, none of the above, and none of the above got as many – was tied for second after Darsh. So Hawks fans weren't overly impressed with that Well, can you, say you're, can you say you're surprised? Are you uh, – well, no, is there somebody that he, sticks out on that list for you? Yeah, because there's no one with experience. I mean, Kyle Davidson has the experience of the last you know four or five months – but Matthew Darsh hasn't run the show in Tampa, and Jeff Greenberg hasn't run a, a baseball front office, though he's been part of a very, uh, successful one with the Chicago Cubs. So it is interesting because there's, you know, all Bears fans seemingly are optimistic that the Bears finally got it right, but we have nothing to base that on other than how impressive. Well, that right, was, right. Where, right. That's just pure optimism. Yeah, right. right. So right. Um, that's just but, pure optimism right there. That's all yeah. that is. But but it is you know interesting because where would this Bulls team be without uh, Demar Derozan? Given the injuries, given Zach being out with the knee, given the, you know Caruso being out, uh, Ball being out, uh, the up and down nature of of the uh, NBA season, no one saw Demar Derozan coming through with the run he's come and, and the leadership he's brought off the floor, but certainly the offensive production he's brought on the floor, and and Stephen A. Smith should be his campaign manager for MVP because he was on first take the other day and take a listen to what he had to say. He is firmly, firmly in the corner of DeMar DeRozan for MVP. DeMar DeRozan has held them up and then some. I want to announce to the basketball world, Mm -hmm. we look at Joel Embiid. I had him number one. Jokic is not somebody to dismiss or whatever, but I am telling y'all right now, Right now, nobody, and I do mean no one, can be definitively placed ahead of DeMar DeRozan for league MVP honors. He is doing his thing. Doing his thing indeed. You know, I, I can't guess. disagree with him. He didn't get his I can't disagree with him. Last There's night, a, he got... a lot of. Go ahead. There's some stiff competition there, Brian. Yeah, there's some stiff competition there. And uh, although I think here us fans in Chicago are like, yes, we're all about DeRozan being an MVP. I didn't think he would get that kind of national attention. I'm pleased to hear that. Yeah, as well as should be. I mean, look, that that 10-game stretch of plus 30-plus points, and then he had an eight-game stretch snap snap last night where at 35 points or more plus 50% shooting. That's just un- unbelievable. I mean, what he's doing there. It is interesting. If you look mm-hmm. at some of the, yep. uh, the Vegas odds on MVP and is currently the favorite. Uh, you get plus plus one thirty five. 
Uh, Jokic is plus 270. The Greek Freak is plus 440. DeRozan comes in fourth at plus 1,000. And John ja Morant, who put on the clinic last night, and a lot of people believe that you know he should be firmly in the yeah. conversation, he, he shows up sixth on this list. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable seeing what he did last night. That really is. So who's your MVP? Uh, you can go to our Twitter poll at ESPN 1000 and weigh in. And uh, is it Embiid? Is it Jokic? Is it DeRozan? Or the fourth choice is basically the field. Is it somebody else? You can also uh, give us a call and tell us who and why, 312-332-3776. And uh, speaking of who and why, we're going to be talking to Jesse Rogers, uh, top of the hour, because he's down in Florida. It was this day 87, 88 of the lockout. And MLB owners have put I've this, lost track. Yeah, well, they put this deadline of tomorrow that we're, they're going to start canceling games, and but they're not making them up, and so players aren't going to get paid. And last night, everything just seemed, seemed to fall apart and get so hostile. The players talked about not coming back today. Uh, but that then they said they will come back, and they are so far apart on all the major issues. It sure seems like it's going to damage the, the beginning of the season. Certainly, it's damaged spring training already. So are you upset? If they start canceling games tomorrow and, and hold to their word that they're not making them up, are you going to be upset as a baseball fan? Are you going to hold the owners accountable? Are uh, are the players just as culpable in this thing? Do you, do you do you even understand all the stuff that they're they're not talking about? Because it seems like all the major issues they are miles apart on right now, Mark. Yeah, th- they are, and it's really disappointing to see them. You know this this last minute intense, oh, we're going to meet every day. That's been a frustration point for me now because it seems like it's about a month too late. And then secondly, for them to be hanging up on some of this stuff when there are there are some big money being thrown around, and this is something we can get into with Jesse when he joins us at 11 a.m. The owners have the money. We know they have the money. They're choosing not to throw it around the way that, you know, the MLB union or the uh, players union wants them to because the money's there and we'll we'll get around to talking that we'll uh, talk about that and we'll take your calls at 312-332-3776 who's your NBA MVP uh you know is it is it DeRozan is it it's is it somebody that is not wearing a Bulls jersey you know what what do the Bulls have to do to make the playoffs and have some sustained success join us here on ESPN 1000 where to take a break it's Zan, uh, Xander and Hanley. We'll be right back here on ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley right there. I'm Mark Xander. This is ESPN 1000. Of course, the ESPN app. You can find us there. Listen live on HDR uh, 100.3 HD2 on your FM dial. Crystal clear. And AM 1000. So, Last night, the Bulls dropped one to the Grizzlies here in town, 116-110. And uh, previous to that, they won Thursday. They beat Atlanta. Now, they've got a big test tomorrow, Brian, in the Heat, who have really picked it up this year. Yeah. I mean, now the first place Heat in the Eastern Conference. So, it's certainly you want to get back in the top spot in the East. You go ahead and beat them on the floor tomorrow. Um, But we're also two years into the process, coming up on two years into the hiring of AK. Arturis Carnivicious, or Carnivus rather, and uh, Mark Eversley in the you know redoing the entire front office mm-hmm. for the Chicago Bulls. And as I mentioned, the Blackhawks are 
coming down to the home stretch of getting a new GM who apparently will also uh, do a renovation of, of the organization on the hockey ops side. And the Bears have their new uh, new GM and coach in place, so we'll see how that plays out. But you know what, Brian? I will say this, though. When when AK was hired, that was like, wow, immediately, right? There right. is no wow possibility with the Blackhawks. No, no. They, you know, whatever, if Kyle Davidson keeps the job and, and it's no longer the interim, I mean, look, he's got some pieces to trade. If he were to trade, uh, I, I think, you know, Mark andre Fleury has to tell him if he's willing to go and they yeah. have a gentleman's agreement, they'll do whatever he wants. And he certainly has a, a list of 10 places he, he doesn't have to go to uh, per his contract. But, I mean, Brandon Hagel, you have some chips, uh, certainly, mm. to bring it. But, you know, you, you in a perfect world, you want to build around Hagel and to bring it. I, I think, you know, Flower, you, you, you have to get whatever you can for him. If it's yeah. a first-round pick, terrific. But whoever it is, Kyle Davidson or if it's Jeff Greenberg or um, Matthew Darsh, uh, Either one, any of those finalists are going to have some heavy lifting to do, just like Ryan Poles has to do with the Chicago Bears. Right. But AK, I mean, two years into the to the job here, he's redone the front office, and within a year, he's redone the roster to the point where TV ratings are up eighty three percent because it's actually a good team to watch. Which and, and he had forever. some right, and he had some heavy lifting right off the bat, and he pulled it off. And it's Absolutely. a great uh, it's it's great to aspire to. We ho- certainly hope that Poles and his staff is going to have that kind of impact, immediate impact that uh, AK has, uh, you know, and that's, the, and that's the hope. But right now that's what we're measuring everything against, right? Is, right. And uh, again, the success and, and, of yeah, the I mean, you looked at the bears and they got a lot of criticism because all of a sudden George McCaskey was leaning on an uh, older Bill Polian to, to come in and, uh, you know, even though he did great things in the league, he hadn't been doing it for a dozen years or so. And people are like, you know, how's that going to help you? But, you know, it's seemingly, I mean, no one cast a, a wider net than the Bears did in terms of, of coaches and GM interviews, right? So right. hopefully, but it was interesting. And I retweeted Casey Johnson's uh, Bulls Talk podcast from NBC Sports Chicago. You can find it at Brian Hanley 534. And, um, I want to give you a, a little, a couple of slices of Michael Reinsdorf. We don't get to hear from Michael a lot, um, but just his thought process when he was looking to restart the Bulls and how it landed on AK and uh, what went into it. Let's take a listen. Uh, I think you're right. I think if the season actually ended today, um, I think our tourists would have to be considered as likely uh, executive of the year. Uh, and it would be an incredible honor for him, and I would think it would be very, very dis- uh, deserving. I kind of wish they would change it from executive of the year to front office staff of the year because there really are a lot of people on our staff staff who made a a, um, a big impact. Well, you know, when we interviewed our our tourists and ultimately hired him, I think we were very confident that he was the right person for the job. Um, but over the last couple of years, he's really demonstrated that our confidence was, was definitely warranted. It's, and for me, it's easy to look at the roster, understand that, and look at our record. But I, I see it for other reasons as well. He's built a, a winning culture in basketball operations. Uh, he didn't come in a guns a-blazing and, and fire everyone when he took over. He, he took his time to learn everyone's strengths and weaknesses. And then he made some adge- uh, adjustments with the staff. And then he, he had the fortitude to, and, and, and 
smartness to bring in some really terrific people like Mark Eversley, uh, our GM, Pat Connolly, JJ Polk, and a number of other high quality people. So um, I, I think they've done a great job. I'm I'm really happy that our tourist isn't afraid to make a mistake. And I think he and his staff are incredibly creative. And I think that's shown itself over the last couple of years. You know, he said, uh, Michael said that he knows basketball, but he's not an expert at basketball. So it's always good to know what you don't know, right? And right, right. And then to hire the right people, to be smart enough to hire the right people to take it from there. And that's all we can hope for out of Hallis Hall. But we don't have to worry about that right now. The Bulls are showing that their biggest Achilles heel is the fact that they don't have a couple of key players that could definitely, you know, add to the the effort of getting past these good teams because that's what's going to have to happen in the playoffs. Well, Michael also talked about getting those good players. And, and he, first of all, he said he hired a smart guy in AK. So during mm-hmm. the process, he realized how smart uh, AK is and, and, you know, who he was listening to. And that he has contacts throughout the league. I mean, he knows every other front office and, and teams, other teams' strengths and weaknesses. But talking about also building that roster and the big splash he made on, on draft day to get Vuk, uh, Vucevic, uh, take, take a listen because, you know, even Michael Reinsdorf is in awe about the transformation on this roster in very short order. Uh, I would say that ability to collect information, his ability, one, to collect information, I think he's very knowledgeable about so many different things that are going on in the league and with other teams that that, that kind of surprised me. Um, but, you know, his his ability to get people in a room and talk through the issues and then make the decision, like he's so definitive on it. And I think he's got a lot of conviction in what he's doing. And... Um, I, I, I like that. I, I really didn't re, I didn't realize how creative he would be. You know, that's not something I thought like, oh, is he going to be the most creative person? And, you know, I, I just I just knew I was hiring a really smart basketball person who I felt was going to build and lead an organization. It's the, the, the role of, of head of basketball operations has changed over the years. It was, it's a much more difficult role than it used to be. And a lot of it has to do with managing people as these organizations grow with so many different people, you have to be able to <clears throat> manage people and, and, and lead. And, and he is an incredible leader. He is very active. He um, he's always working and he's always trying to connect with people. And I, and I like the fact that many times I'll be working out on, on the Peloton over at the Hamilton center watching practice and every day that there's practice there's someone from the basketball operations department down there usually it's our tourists and mark they're always talking to the different players and different coaches they have a great pulse of what's going on with the team and it's 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 fun to watch do you have an example of his creativity well we all have examples of his creativity i mean like we last year at, at the free agents at uh, the trading deadline uh, you know, he made the pulled the trigger on Vooch, but what people don't know is that on that board he had circled Demar Derozan. Um, and when the season ended and free agency started, I mean, we had no ability to sign. We had no cap space, um, but he was incredibly creative in how he created space through that through the sign and trade. Um, and and so his creativity is shown 
with this team. Most people criticize that signing because they, you know, in their mind, they, we were signing another, you know, kind of another Zach Levine. So what, what, what were we doing? It wouldn't work. You know, only one person could have the ball. Well, I think this roster is incredibly creative. It really is. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Right. And, and it, Isn't I, it nice to have your boss just, just gush about you? I mean, at least we have one example of that here in the city right now. Well, just think, because GMs always have to look big picture. And so on that, on, on the trade deadline day, he's going to make the trade, pull the trigger on the trade that's going to be big enough and headline, uh, you know, catching enough. But to say, and by the way, we're going to get DeRozan eventually, and, and here's how we're going to do it. And then to have DeRozan be your MVP candidate instead of Zach Levine. I mean, <laughs> right. It's, I mean, it's not just happenstance. It's just not luck. It's, it's a smart guy having a plan and executing it. And, and let's, let's give Billy Donovan a lot of uh, credit, too. I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I mean, last night you know, we had talked about the end of the game and the strategy and everything. But overall, I'm impressed that he's been able to, you know, get these guys on the same page and deal with all these injuries and being the spot that they're in right now could certainly be worse, obviously. Oh, he's a professional coach. And, and you know, Jim Boylan was you know, a high school coach trying to coach pros. Oh, that was such a joke. That yeah, was just and such look a at Fred joke. Hoiberg can't even get Nebraska to win a game. I mean, you think right. about, uh, you know, people who've been sitting at the end of that bench and, and wondering why the, the bullshit has just been listening to, to into nowhere because, you know, because Guard loved Fred Hoiberg for whatever reason and paid him as if he'd won an NBA title as a coach. And, and, you know, the guy was a nice guy, but he was so overmatched. And then Jim Boylan took it to a different level. And so, yeah, Billy <laughs> Donovan, you just look at him and you know he's got it handled. And he had yep. it handled in Oklahoma City. Absolutely. 312-332-3776. Taking your calls about the Bulls. You want to talk about last night's game. You want to talk about uh, DeRozan being in the conversation for NBA MVP, uh, as you said on first take, he got a, a pretty pretty important national vote. I mean, important in that he's getting attention, which is which is really nice because here in the city, you know, yeah, he's our MVP, but how is that looking from the outside? And people are noticing what DeRozan's doing for the Bulls here. 312-332-3776. Jesse Rogers joins us at 11 a.m. We'll also get around to talking about a couple of people you may know that used to uh, work for the Chicago Bears that are now employed somewhere else, and we're going to get your opinions on that. All of that and more here on ESPN 1000. You're with Xander and Hanley. White to inbound. Williams deterring. Into DeRozan. Looking for the two. Fakes, moves, and lost it in traffic. You got a foul now. And Levine will foul Morant up the floor with 5.3 remaining. And DeRozan just got tossed out of the game with his second technical foul. Well, Brian, that was the right guy to go to. Just wasn't the right play drawn up. Bad situation. He gives up the ball, gets thrown for a technical, and the Grizzlies beat the Bulls by a final of 116-110 at the UC last night. It's ESPN 1000, Brian Hanley right there. I'm Mark Zander. Brian is reachable on Twitter at Hanley. Is it B. Hanley? Now I blanked out. I say this every week. What is it? 
<laughs> at Brian at Brian Hanley five three four five three four. That's the only part I got. I thought it was, it was a B Hanley, and I'm Xander Rocker. That's Xander with one R in the middle. Xander Rocker, all one word, at uh, at uh, on Twitter and ESPN one thousand, obviously on Twitter, where we have a couple of. Um, uh, Twitter polls, and the one that I want to bring up right now is who is your NBA v- MVP right now? And we've got other, which a lot of people always use. If we give them the other, <laughs> they'll well, take only, the other. You're only, you're, you're only, the Twitter only allows you four. four yeah, and they, right, right, right. So you know what? If you if you have uh, more than four, you've got to throw other in the fourth slot. Demar Derozan, uh, Jokic, and uh, Embiid. So. Look, DeMar DeRozan has done nothing but impress. Last night, you don't, that's not consistent with what DeMar DeRozan has done for us. And, uh, you know, he's the main reason we're at where we are right now because of the injuries. You've got Zach Levine, a walking injured, and then you've got players that aren't even seeing the floor. A ball in Caruso, and Caruso set to come back hopefully sooner than later. Well, look, DeRozan did all he could in the fourth quarter because that's what he, he's owned the fourth, fourth quarter. <laughs> a single handle he's put how many But, but it's so hard to keep going to him. Uh, well, you know, I mean, he started, he, start, yeah. he started cold, and then he ended up with 13 points in the fourth quarter. He got his 31 points, but only 10 of 29 shooting. And it'll be interesting when the NBA puts out its two minute uh, last two-minute report for last night's games because he thought he was fouled on, on the steal. And, uh, you know, let his feelings be known. And he got the second technical and was, you know, told to to get to the locker room a little bit earlier. Um, but that said, they went on the 14-0 run and they, they you know, pull it to within a hoop after being down as many as 17. But once again, it, it's a good team and they have their hands full against good teams. And that that is a concern as you start looking to the postseason and only 21 yeah. games away. But you got to be better against winning teams and um, you know as you get healthier maybe that helps but it's been more than a trend right now to the season where you're six and 14 against top six teams in either conference it'd be interesting to see when Caruso does come back if his defensive touch you know uh, also with Io and his defensive game if that is going to make the small difference they need to start winning against these winning teams. And then hopefully ball coming back will just slot right in to where he usually is. This will be kind of interesting to see how it shapes up because I think Caruso can add that extra part that will start getting us over the hump. And, and, yeah. and hopefully we can get more out of Levine too, even though he's dealing with uh, an injury that is not going to go away. Well, Io got schooled a little bit yesterday from Morant, but who hasn't been, right? So, I mean, right, he, right. He, he certainly has made his campaign for MVP legit, uh, whether or not Vegas has him as among the favorites. When you watch him put in a career high 46 points, you, you shake your head and wonder, you know, where, you know how that, that guy's been pretty damn good for, for all the entire season here. So, yep, yeah. And we've got some audio from uh, Coach Billy Donovan uh, about last night. Um, I want to look at the tape. I hadn't had a chance to see the play. Really, I, I thought with a little bit more than 14 seconds, what I didn't want to do was to bomb a three and and and, and maybe miss or take, get a tough shot. I wanted to get something to the rim, so tried to get to more in the middle of the floor. Um, I think we got it to him where we needed to. Um, obviously, he felt like he had gotten foul. Um, 
you know, I know we kind of spun back into some help, but we just were trying to get something downhill to try to get a quick score. And then from there, you know, if it's a one-point game, we still have one timeout. Maybe we can press, or if they call timeout, we can try to maybe get a trap and a quick steal or something, if that's possible. If not, you know, they make two free throws or one free throws, you call timeout. It's still a one-possession game. So, you know, it was unfortunate the way that that, that uh, last possession unfolded, being down three. But, you know, got it to DeMar in the middle of the floor, and I mean, you know, he's been just incredible for us from that area the whole entire year, and it just, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't, didn't work out. Well, I tell you, Brian, it's so uh, refreshing to get somebody like Billy Donovan who can break things down where you can understand he's not rambling all over the place. And, yeah, you know, no it was selling. a great right? – none of that. None of that. And, and, and Nagy, and, you know, we've got to figure out the whys and blah, blah, blah. Look, and, and to me, the only thing about that, and it sounds very logical the way he lays it out. Yep. Everyone knows who's getting the ball. So why not kick it out and bomb a three since you are down three? It, it, to my way of thinking – Not Vooch, though. <laughs> No, 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 uh, no, no. And by the way, I mean, he was a minus 18 last night. At least yeah. Thompson was plus 14. And I know a lot of people don't go for plus minus in the NBA. They don't even do it in hockey much anymore. But but my point is that you heard him. OK, so we get the two and maybe we get a foul. But if not, we trap them and then we have a timeout. I mean, that's a, a lot of things had to go right in, in the final 12 seconds or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't even get this, you know, you, you you lose the ball, and so you don't even need the timeout, and you know then you lose your superstar in the waning seconds. But uh, for the most part, I mean, I don't question Billy Donovan. I just thought that a lot of things had to happen there. To me, you know, if you want to drive to the rim, go ahead, but also kick it out to the perimeter and see if someone can bomb a three. Yeah, well, right, right, and and it's uh, it's something that he did. He wanted to avoid and and go to DeRozan. And you've got a great point. Everybody knows where it's going. He's been our hero in the fourth quarter. Chip in Villa Park wants to talk about uh, Billy Donovan on ESPN One Thousand. Hey, Chip. Hey guys. Hey, you know, just over the course of time that Donovan's been here and listening to him speak, how he describes what he sees on the floor, how he manages his team, um, the professionalism by which he goes about the job. I think has been some of the most refreshing I've heard in years. And I started to think about all Chicago managers, head coaches that we've had. Now, granted, I know he has not won a title or anything, but based on his resume pedigree and how he's handled things, could he be the most professional head coach we've seen in the city of Chicago for any team we've had out? Now, I think maybe Quinville would be a good guy too, in that, in Mm -hmm. that sense, in Mm -hmm. terms of running a team, but maybe over the last 30 years, certainly in the bulls case, I would say, Thibodeau, for as hard as he had those guys play, I think overextended minutes, he had issues that you could look at. Um, you know, when I look at the Cubs, people would say, well, Madden won a World Series, but we saw how he managed pitching staffs and how they won Game 7 in spite of him mm, instead of yeah. because of him. Ozzy, I think, as manager when, they, when the Sox won the World Series, was more a product of the talent. He was a right guy for the right moment, but as we've seen post, it kind of fizzled on him. You know, he never really has been a great manager, seemed to have gotten one great year. Um, and that's why I looked at Donovan and wondered, is this perhaps the most professional guy we've had come in to run an organization or oversee one? Um, like I said, maybe in the last 30 years in Chicago. What about Lovey? But can you throw Lovey? Yeah. Can you yeah. throw Lovey? Well, Lovey here, I'll argue this with Lovey because I went back and looked at his record. You know, in his career as a Bears head coach, he was 10 games under 500 against teams with 500 or better records. So when we all praise Lovey for being a great head coach and look what he did, he he won the games he was supposed to, but against the teams he needed to, he couldn't. And when I looked at that, I was amazed to see that he was 10 games under 500 
against teams with 500 or better records. See, and, and that it's an interesting point. Thanks, Chip. Uh, yeah, who, thanks, who, Chip. By the way, who is your MVP in the NBA right now? have to be DeRozan. Okay, I mean, yeah. right, right now our Twitter poll looks like a Cook County Democrat running unopposed. Um, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Chip. Appreciate oh, see, it. I, I'm not looking at the results. Are you peeking in already? Uh, yeah. yeah uh, but, oh, come uh, on. Don't spoil the surprise. you got to wait till the end of the show. Oh, okay. Well, let, That's let's my job from, to do, man. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you're, taking, you're taking things away from Jake. Let's, uh, let's uh, check in with Dean before. I, I'd yeah. like to follow up that lovey point for a second. But, uh, Dean, our buddy's out there. Hey, Dean. Hey, Dean. I'm sorry. Oh, Brian. Hey, guys, Xander and Brian, right? Yes, yep. I'm sorry, guys. I was making sure it was you. I was uh, just hitting the vape pen, and I was... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's I, us. I, had to, I was choking up a bit, but I... Oh, um, sorry to catch was, a mid-vape. No, I'm sorry about that. I was just talking to Jake, and um, before I get to my MVP point, I wanted to say, I wanted to say that I... I love Tyler Aki, the chosen one, choosing Colorado. I texted him yesterday. I said, what do you got for me? He chose, he chose Colorado over Arizona. I mean, come on. That's some uh, – Yeah. That, that's that, a lot of Col- Colorado, golf right Colorado was at home getting about eight, ten points. What was the final line there? I believe – you know what? He told me to take the – I don't know if he told me to take the money line or the line, but I had to imagine it was at least eight and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, boy, Tyler's been on it. Who's your NBA uh, NBA MVP right now? Absolutely. To get to my NBA MVP vote. So I was telling Jake that I believe that every year, just like it was with Shaq and LeBron and probably still should be, I believe that it should be uh, Jokic. But I think it's going to go to Embiid. That's my guess. Take that! All right, Dean. All right. Go, don't spend your money on the, the Colorado winnings in one place. Now, yeah, Tyler, by the way, went to Syracuse, and I was texting with him the other night, and um, Syracuse was laying nine and a half. And Tyler, he doesn't bet with his heart. He bet, he took, he, he, you know, he, uh, he took the points with Georgia Tech. <laughs> the alma mater doesn't matter when his money's out of line. So. No, well, and, and that's the way it should be if you're a smart better. But uh, see, that's why I'm not a smart better. Yeah, I, I I told him yesterday he was Marquette struggled to beat Butler, and that's an awful Butler team. And you know, here's Marquette's problem, my alma mater. They got they swept Villanova uh two games this this year. They had uh, what seven quad one wins, and they were starting to get notice and a little notoriety and a little national attention, and all of a sudden they're a little too diva for me. All of a sudden Shaka Smart's gotta, you know, give them a kick in the rear end and tell them they're not as good as they think they are. And they've been stumbling more often, and they're they're not hustling. So it's, I know it's a long season, but you know what got them to the national attention uh, was short lived because I think they were starting to enjoy it a little too much. But you know, Tyler's our our college basketball guru, and we'll get into that point. Where yeah. The the conference tournaments are upcoming in a few games, so it'll be a lot of fun to be uh, talking to him and, and getting his thoughts on on you know who are the teams to be laying money on as you get into the tournaments. Uh, yeah, you know, earlier and after when we come back from break, we will expound on uh, what Chip brought up to us as far as over the past 30 years in Chicago. Uh, you know, his original question was, you know, 
or, or a comment was Billy Donovan seems really professional in the way he control, you know, coaches the team and relates to the media. And that's kind of the angle that I thought he took. And then he kind of threw Lovey a bit under the bus because of his record against above 500 teams, which I thought was a different direction. I think Lovey was a guy who ran that team well and did work with the media okay. So we can get into that, Brian, because you wanted to bring up another point. We'll do that. Jesse Rogers coming up at 11 a.m., talking about how we still don't have baseball and how things just seem to be going backwards. All of that and more here on ESPN 1000. It's Brian Hanley. It's Mark Zander. We'll be right back. This hour brought to you by Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Tickets for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland are on sale now. Head to nusports.com for details. It's Mark Sanders, it's Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000. We're going to get around to talking to our guy Jesse Rogers at 11 a.m. about what's happening in Jupiter, Florida, or what's not happening in Jupiter, Florida. I saw him uh, do a stand-up on ESPN National yesterday on TV. He cleans up okay. Oh, yeah. Our guy Jesse. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, at least at least he's uh, you know, getting something done down there. Why Jupiter? I don't know. I'll have to ask him. Obscure place <laughs> yeah, we, in Florida. We, we will have to ask him. And i got to tell you, Brian, nice uh, nice choice on the uh, GIF or GIF. Do you say GIF or GIF? I don't when know. You, I, I always get in trouble when I start saying that. <laughs> well, nice choice on that because you got Judge Judy slamming her desk and pointing to her watch. That who is who I want involved in the negotiations. Oh, boy. I want her out. as yeah. a mediator. I it, really it's do. Just, it's remarkable. We'll talk to Jesse. Um but the, the owners are now tying – okay, so they're, they're adamant they're going to get their 14 playoff teams because that's more money in their cash registers, right? Sure. You know, TV money and, and concession money, ticket money and all that. So for them to – to for the players are trying to stop or to, to disincentivize tanking, where a third of the league is tanking every year just mm-hmm. because they don't want to pay people and they want to get draft picks and everything else. So, and they're making they, enough money losing. Let's well, face yeah. it, right? So well, They're making but, plenty of money being losers. But, I mean, the players' unions like, you know, okay, here, we need a weighted lottery like the NBA NHL has. So, you know, you can't be the worst team and get the top pick because, you know, we're going to get rid of that. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do that for maybe the top six teams. But you have you, – in order for us to give you that, you have to give us the 14 playoff games. I mean, what a disconnect, right? I mean – yeah, you know, it's one games. step. You're, you're one of your favorite singers. I think your favorite artist did a song entitled "One Step Up, Two Steps Two Back." Steps back, absolutely. And yeah. that's exactly what is happening here. And the fact that they will negotiate something and it will be on the table, and then they will come back and say, "Ooh, you know what? We want this, or you won't get that." It's like, wait right. a minute, that was already agreed upon. Now you're right. taking it back. It it yeah. it is. Uh, it, it's it, a whole lot ugly, is what it is. It, it is. It is. on the details, but uh, back to uh, Chip's call from uh, Villa Park. Because he, he, first of all, Joel Quinville stands alone, right? When you win three titles, yes. And, yes. and and have the run you did in within ten years, uh, before all the ugliness came to light in the past year, with you know, and you know, this, and Chip didn't mention Phil Jackson. See, he's busy. He went back thirty years, right? I mean, he said. He said, you know, as far back, I think he said 30 years. 30 years, yeah. I, I, I don't know if he was just talking about 
professional, how he handled Well, see, himself, that's what like, I thought. But then when he, when, when we brought up Lovey Smith, he said, no, no. And he brought up his record. It's like, yeah, you know okay, what? I who think those are two different things. Who was quarterbacking for Lovey Smith? I mean, the defense did what it, that was Lovey's specialty, right? Taking away mm-hmm. the ball. And he yeah. was, he, he pounded that into their heads and they actually bought into it and did it. And the peanut punch and everything else. And they won because of their defense. I mean, God bless Jay Cutler. And I know he's a friend of the uh, station, but he was your best quarterback in the last 30 years. And you went through about 40 of them while, while Brett Favre and uh, Aaron Rodgers were up throwing the ball in Green Bay. So, <laughs> right. So, I, but yeah, I mean, if you're going back 30 years, well, then, okay, now you're, you're bringing Phil Jackson into the conversation. Uh, he had the greatest player of all time at the, at the time in MJ. Um, but yeah, I think Lovey's in that conversation because his specialty was what carried the team to, to a Super Bowl, although, you know, decisions that were made within said Super Bowl um, right, right. cost you the game too. But but so, as far as his, uh, Chip's original point is uh, professionalism and relating to the players and, yep. and having the players play for him, yeah, he's he has to be in the conversation. Yeah, you know, I, I covered Scott Skiles uh, for his time here in Chicago, and I think the players feared him more than respected him, um, but they were also the baby bulls, the try-hard bulls, right? So. Mm it was much easier to get guys just out of college like Kirk Heinrich and, and Lou Aldang and uh, Ben Gordon and those guys who had not been in the league long enough to, you know, basically, you know, turn their ear or, or you know, tune out the coach. Um, and so whatever successes they had in a rebuilding type, you know, they gave, they gave most teams, most nights, uh, uh, you know, a full effort and put them, you know, they were much better as a team than they were individually. Right. But um, I think in terms of professionalism, Billy Donovan certainly in that conversation because of the way he carries himself, the way players respect him, not necessarily fear him. And um, Phil Jackson, uh, you know, with, with the great talent he had. And, not, and Jerry Krause has to get credit for continually to, to find big men to plug in there and, and tweaking the roster and going getting Dennis Rodman and all that. Um, but, you know, Joe Madden, did do something on the north side that hadn't been done in over a hundred years. Whether there was and, petting zoos involved, and <laughs> he's always going to get and field trips. He, and he should always get that that um, you know recognition because right, no matter how he did it, he was able to achieve with the team that he led something we hadn't seen in many many people's lifetimes. He was the right guy at the right time and with yep. the right approach, right? He and that's right. that's all you need, right, Brian? That's all you and, need, and the right look, guy and there's with the a, right approach at the right time. Yep. And there's a shelf life on that, right? Three years into it, they didn't want to go on the theme trips anymore. I get it, right? But mm-hmm. there was a young enough team when he came in that they're, they're like, hey, this guy's keeping it light and try not to suck and all the T-shirts and, you know, the Mona Lisa with spray paint on it or whatever the hell it was. I mean, it got old after a while, but at the time, everyone in this town ate it up. I mean, anyone who was a Cubs fan and certainly most of the guys on that team uh, certainly were buying into it. Yeah, you know what, Brian, uh, a point that I just thought of as you were talking about this. Yeah, Madden's act wore thin. Uh, Maybe Lovey's did. We certainly know that Joe Quenville's act wore thin with some players. The only one that didn't was Phil Jackson that we know of. Because because he was basically not brought back. It wasn't because the players stopped playing for him or anything that he did wrong. Well, because you know what? They were allies because no one liked Jerry Krause. So Phil right. didn't like Jerry Krause, and the players, you know, MJ certainly didn't like Jerry Krause, and neither did Scotty. Um, so that, you know, they was like, we'll do this 
in spite of Jerry, even though Jerry gets you know a lot of credit for for as know, he being, should, the, right. being the architect of all that. But he was also the guy that started ripping it apart too. Yeah, no, he was easy to dislike. I mean, he, he just <laughs> right. was. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We're about to get into a break that will eventually take us to Jesse Rogers, who will uh, talk to us live from Jupiter, Florida. I'm sure he is uh, tanning himself. He's got his sunglasses on, waiting for something that probably won't happen. As we've uh, talked about, the the league basically said, "Look, if we don't come to an agreement on Monday, the regular season will start." being compromised games will start getting canceled players will make less money trying to think that that will jumpstart something but you know what who who are whose side are you on i i know that uh there are a lot of people that think the owners are the problem here and i am definitely one of them three one two three three two three seven seven six we'll get to your calls after we talk to jesse and that's going to happen in two minutes it's xander and hanley here on espn 1000 we'll be back 